Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. And welcome to After Extra Time, your weekly footballing podcast with me, your host, Jack Godfrey. Uh, my two co-hosts are once again here, that is the Millwall One, aka Jacko. How are you, mate? I'm very well, mate. Yourself? All good, mate, yeah. And of course, the diva himself, aka Mr yeah. Adam Green. How are you, mate? All right, Jack. I'm looking forward to this one, bro. Yeah. So, before we obviously start on our uh, own little part one bit... Um, Pot two will be with Championship linesman Akil Housen. So we're looking forward to that one. Getting a nice insight into how, you know, the match day officials obviously do their thing, how he got into it, um, his thoughts on VAR and much more. So yeah, it should be a good little uh, good little part two that should be. Yeah, don't don't abuse him, boys, because I know you boys have got your team, so don't oh, abuse oh, him. Hold on. I was hoping you were gonna make notes on how to be a better referee, because I've seen you referee <laughs> and you're crap. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, that's why I get me free top and, back. Here. And if any, if anyone abuses anyone, it's you abusing the officials because I've seen you do it on a <laughs> Sunday. I've not had any red cards in my career, Jacko. Mate, I came in as an assistant coach to you to stop mouthing off at officials when we did our youth coaching last year. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I was brought in. Greeny, Greeny, you still did it. Greeny won't be having a go anymore. We're too busy, but arse licking. <laughs> I, might cha- I might change my name to Mad Dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's oh, brilliant. Dear. Whilst, it's, right. whilst it's fresh in our mind, boys, we might as well go straight on to it. Uh, I'm assuming... Oh, we've got... No, don't talk about it. What? You're going to talk about the England game, aren't you? Yeah, I am, yeah. Oh. Well, I think, you know, it's, it's only right we talk about it. It's a footballing podcast. All three of us are English. I've seen paint dry that was more fucking fun than watching that. <laughs> anyway, Jacko, what are your, <laughs> what, Jacko, what were your thoughts on the game? <laughs> um... Well, yeah. <laughs> Don't move on to me. I can't, I've got to try and sort of be on the fence, but I can't. I was really disappointed in the first half. I think, <laughs> I think, second half, I thought we played a lot better. But the first half, 
very negative. He's got three right backs in, in his side. Dyer was terrible. Rice and Henderson were doing the same thing. Um, you know, it basically looked like Mount, Rashford and Calvert-Lewin had to do all the attacking on, by themselves. I, I don't think I saw Alexander-Arnold involved at all. Trippier looked more likely to be a threat from the back. But then second half, we just changed. We, we, we were sort of, we were, we were pressuring Belgium from the start. We nullified Lukaku, and, uh, which was great because Lukaku had a really, really good first half. Mount got on the ball more. Rashford got on the ball more. You know, for whatever, however he changed it, either Rice or Henderson went forward with the attack and the other one sat with the back three. Alexander-Arnold and Trippier got more involved and obviously Trippier um, got the assist for for Mount's goal. Um, so, yeah, I, I wasn't overly convinced, uh, if I'm being brutally honest. I, I think for whatever reason, we've got to find a left back or a left wing back from somewhere. Either he doesn't rate Chilwell or he doesn't rate Bertrand or he just doesn't want to pick him for his side. But Chilwell, I think that's going to cost us at times. Chilwell was ill, I think. Um, so, but, but why only take one left back in your squad? I don't know. Uh, I really don't. I'm not too sure what is going on with England <laughs> in terms of how, how he wants he, to play. He had, he had five right backs, either on the field or on the bench. Yeah, I, I, in terms of system and how he wants to play, I'm not too sure. Um, you've got basically Rice and Henderson who are the same sort of player in that midfield. That's what I mean. And no, I just think there's no creative mystery. player in there. Yeah, he missed the trick by not playing Grealish. Yeah. Uh, I think Grealish had a good game against Wales. Should have given him a go. Um, I was prepared to sub-mount. If I was in charge, I was prepared to sub-mount off at half-time, bring Sancho on, but then yeah, Mount scored 10 minutes into the second half. Um, I, I think if you're Belgium, you've got to be worried about De Bruyne. You've got to be worried that if teams um, nullify Lukaku the way England did, then he might be go a bit quiet. Carrasco had a an interesting day. Uh, a couple of chances he should really have put away. The the one he missed just before he went off, he should have hit with his left foot instead of trying to swap it onto his right, and that would have been, you know, that would have probably made it to all. Yeah. Um, I, I think, yeah, it, it was just an odd game, and I'm just not convinced about England at all. Yeah, Greeny, what did you make of it, mate? Uh, yeah, I agree with Jacko, mate, in, in most aspects of it. Um, I That's a shock. Player, yeah, it is a shock, isn't it? Um, the best player for me on the pitch, mate, was uh, Trippier. I thought he played an amazing game. And I was probably stick out with him, mate, because it, it did look good. But, again, mate, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't think it was fancy, not by any means. A penalty, yeah, fair enough. Two penos in the game, and then obviously that looping goal. From Mount, but nothing to write home about. Yeah, we beat a, a good Belgium side, but it, it's, I don't think it's out to write home about the way we played. No. Still look a bit la- look lustre. <laughs> I can't even get it out now. Still look poor. Lackluster. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's the word I'm looking for. I couldn't get it off my tongue. Uh, yeah, still look lackluster. <laughs> He's trying, bless him. I'm trying to get it out, but I can't get it out. So let's move on from that. But no, no. I mean. We'll probably qualify now, in a way. 
people would have thought. But I think there's a lot of improvement to do, mate. And like Jacko said, what, what are they doing with all these right-backs? Where are these left-backs? Unless he's going to turn the right-backs into left-backs. But he's got to start looking down the leagues, I think, now. Championship level, maybe. Because how many left-backs are there English in the Prem? Well, you've got a few. I think Jacko said, didn't he? You've got Chilwell, you've got Luke Shaw, you've got Bertrand... You've got thing is, are, are these playing well for the for their club though? I mean, Luke Shaw to me is bang average. I don't rate him. Chilwell, like, fair enough. I mean, Chilwell, yeah. Chilwell for me, if he's fit and available, starts for me. Yeah, and me. But and then Trippier played a good game. Yeah, he did. Um, but... Yeah, but are you the problem you've got with that is if you're going to play him as your left wing back every game, is he going to be consistent or not? Who Trippier? Yeah, I think he'd be more consistent, Jacko, now. Than what he what he was because I I don't know but I feel Atletico's turned him into a different player maybe but and I, I, but you'd surely you'd want to have cover for someone who actually plays that position because it's all well and good because Lukaku you know what one way you could look at it is he's put played Tripper out on the left because Lukaku plays out there and he cuts in onto his left foot so Trippy is on his strong side but all right there are going to be teams out there that will have a right footed right winger. You know? Yeah, I get, I get that. And so yeah. you're going to yeah. have to have someone who's going to be able to sort of stop the crossing. Because if Trippier gets turned onto his wrong foot, yeah, he's a good player, but he's going up against an international right winger. So guaranteed that player is going to be good as well. And he's then got a half a yard to get across it. And yeah. I'll be honest, mm. that, that defence didn't look uh, sound today. You know, mm. Dyer's mistake for the goal, you know, yes, Lukaku had the pace on him. But it was a stupid challenge to commit inside the penalty area. He never got anywhere near the ball. Maguire's out of confidence because he's part of a United defence that's just shipping goals as if they're going out of fashion. Um, you know, Carl Walker's not a centre back, but he's at times he looks shaky as well because Lukaku got in behind him. I thought he was England's best player. I'm not. I'm not saying he wasn't. No, but no. there are there, there are going to be question marks. You know, there were a couple of times where Lukaku got in between. I think yeah. and Walker and Walker's lost him. The only reason Walker's made up for it is because he's quick enough. I... While you're on that subject, Jacko, with Lukaku, mate, I think he, I think he's a different player now since oh, going over 100%. to uh, Milan. Yeah, he's lost his weight. He looks quick. He looks physical. You stated he looks the last player. Yeah. I think. So that he did. Green, you were against him for a podcast two weeks ago. I was, I was. Oh, but, go. Like I said, since he's gone Milan, I went on about when he was at United. Yeah, but me and Jacko but said he was gone... playing in a system that didn't sort of favour him and he was still sort of scoring. Probably. No, but I'm going Which, on oddly about... enough, is what the commentators in the game said he was part of the United I'm, I'm, Gary yeah, Neville talking... said it and Neville's United. It's funny that, isn't it? I'm, I'm talking, yeah, but I'm talking about his physicality and his and his speed, what he never had at United. I'm not, not going on the formation side of it. I mean, but since he's left United and gone there, he looks a lot more physical, a lot more in shape. I, I've maintained pace. I've maintained for a while now, I think since Everton, I felt Lukaku is one of the best strikers in Europe. I really, really do. Yeah. Um, the guy is a beast and he's at a side that utilise him for how he should play football. United didn't and they cashed in on him. And it's a big mistake. I really do think it's a big mistake. United utilised him properly we wouldn't be having a lot of questions about United. Well, more, more. we wouldn't have many attacking questions about United now 
we probably have the same defensive ones because United look shaky. But Lukaku, to me, is one of the best strikers in Europe. And it shows with how well he's playing at Inter Milan. Do you think it made it easier for England tonight due to the amount of uh, Premier League players Belgium had in their squad? No. I think what made it easier was the fact that Lukaku got nullified and De Bruyne went off with about half of the second half to go. And if you're Man City and you've already lost Aguero and you've already lost Jesus, if De Bruyne is out for the game against Arsenal, I'd be worried about that as well. Well, yeah, there is that. But if you go and look at Belgium squad and all, Jacko, uh, you've got Tillemans, Castagna, uh, De Bruyne. I'm sure you can name more, but from Premier League, it's, I just thought, because they're all in a prep, maybe the players have got a bit more insight of how they play. No, I wouldn't say that. I just think Belgium are a very, very good side. And how Belgium have not won anything yet is amaze, amazes me. Because on paper, that is one of the best sides in Europe. That Hence why they're number one in the world. Mm. Um, which amazes me because they've not won anything yet. They're the best side in the world. Um, so, you know, I think it, it's helping Belgium bring their talent forward by having the likes of Castagna, Tielemans, uh, Alderweireld, uh, Lukaku, De Bruyne, Mignolet, you know, Origi. There's there's tons of these players that have played in the Premier League, so they've it sort of helped mould them, and mm. they're now bringing the talent or the next batch of talent through, which because of how well these players have done in the Premier League and how well Belgium are doing, it's probably giving coaches, well, oh, this kid, this Belgian kid looks quite good, let's bring him in. And if he works out well, then that's another one that Belgium uh, Belgium can use. So, Belgium are going through a good set of players at the minute. It's whether or not they can utilise them enough to win something on an international stage. Even if it's the, the Nations League, it will still be a bonus for them. So no, I, I think it's I think it's positive for the fact that Belgium can bring in these players, not because of the fact that they know how to play against England. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think I agree with Jacko. I think the main threats were Lukaku and uh, De Bruyne, and obviously with him going off, and England got a lot tighter to Lukaku in the second half. And I think they even yeah. at times even at times doubled up on him, um, yeah. which would have you know. Clearly, stop the threat. Um, coming into some of the week's results, um, I was very abrupt in the Facebook Live and I brushed past them. Um, so I apologise to our uh, home nation listeners. Um, going on, and Greeny, uh, Northern Ireland mm. drew one up with Bosnia and won on penalties. Um, yeah. Surprising or a good result for them, really? Yeah, it is a great result, mate. Bosnia are, are not a bad side, to be fair. And um, I'm sure I'm sure the Northern Irish would have took that result, mate, before the game. And it's nice nice to see them doing well. And I, I do keep an eye on them. I keep an eye on all of, all of ours, Scotland, Wales, Ireland. And it's nice to see them doing well. I mean, uh, I'm not going to touch on Scotland yet because we haven't got on to them. But again, that was nice. But yeah, it was a fantastic result for the Northern Irish. And I like the manager in charge as well. I think he's decent. I like him. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I'm more inclined with Northern Ireland than any of them, really. Um, Jacko, Ireland drew 0-0 with Slovakia and lost on penalties. And then they drew drew again 0-0 to Wales um, this afternoon. Do they have a problem with scoring goals or are they just... Yeah, they do. I I think they've been struggling for goal scorers since Keane retired, personally. Um, 
Uh, I think there's a lot of issues there behind the scenes. Obviously, McCarthy came in for a second stint, then left before they... I think he'd even... Oh, no, he might have taken charge of a couple of internationals, and then he left at the start of this year. So there's a lot of things going on in Republic of Ireland's structure, um, and I think it's going to hamper them. They, they've got a, a they've got a good set of players. They have, um, but what I feel they lack in is an out and out goal scorer, and it's the same with Wales. To be fair, mm. uh, I think Wales and Republic of Ireland have got good squads. It's just they haven't got goal scorers, um, and I think that's where they're gonna they're gonna lack going forward, and I think that's where they're gonna have issues trying to qualify for tournaments. Yeah, I think, I mean, they've obviously got Shane Long up front who started today. Um, he's obviously yeah, but, not playing regularly and he's obviously probably short of confidence as well. So, But Shane Long hasn't been playing well for the Premier League for the last sort of two or three seasons. Well, I mean, yeah, there is that. And there's the fact that he's probably not even first or second team sort of striker for Southampton. So, no. you know, he's got to get him ahead of Che Adams, who's obviously been brought in and has started to play more regularly, um, finding a bit yeah. of form. He's obviously not going to get in front of Danny Ings. So, yeah, um, I agree with you, mate. And I think their sort of second-choice striker today was sort of Sean Maguire, who plays for Preston. Yeah. So, it's you know, I think... I mean, he he's a good championship player. He is a good championship player. Yeah, but he's not the sort of... Uh, is he international calibre? Like, exactly. It was like when Steve Morrison got called up for Wales by John Tosser. You thought, yeah, that's great as a Millwall fan because you've got a Millwall player playing in a home nation side with the likes of Bale, with the likes of Ramsey. But he couldn't cut it at international level because the defenders are a lot better than the ones that he was playing in at the time in League One and the Championship. Um, you know, it's just, it's a different calibre. And if they don't have those sort of players available, then they're going to struggle. Yeah, I think I was talking to my mates about it and I was saying you obviously got to compare, well, even like Wales, you know, obviously without Bell, etc. Um, Scotland, not all of them really. And then you sort of compare like England have got Kane, France have got Mbappe, you know, I'm just trying to think of any others, you know. Um, Germany have got Werner, etc. You know, everyone, you know, a lot of countries like that have got quality strikers and then they've got depth as well. So, yeah. You know, you're always going to struggle, especially in international sort of thing set up. If you've not got a top goal scorer, it's all well and good being able to defend and stuff. But if you can't break teams down, then you know, like you said, you're going to struggle to sort of qualify for major tournaments. But even if you have a look at the history, you know, strikers England have or have scored like forty plus goals. Ain Shearer, Owen, Lineker, Rooney. There's five there for Ireland. I can think of. Um, Robbie Keane for Northern Ireland I think of David Healy I think David Healy's their most or their top goal scoring forward of all time Wales yeah. they had a few they had Hearts and they had Bellamy they had Earnshaw they had Rush um, Scotland I don't know Ali McCoy's maybe maybe but so that, but what I'm saying is in comparison to sort of players or out and out strikers for your national side England and Wales have got the most, but then Republic of Ireland, Northern Ireland and Scotland are lacklustre. And yeah. again, as I say, I hate to reiterate it, but I think that's where they're just going to have issues. Yeah. 
moving on towards Scotland then, Greeny, they obviously drew nil nil with Israel mm. and then won on penalties. Um Yeah. Good result for them. Yeah, I watched that game, mate, and I'm watching the game now. Scotland, Slovakia. Um, you think it's the same as what Jacko's just touched on, really, mate? Scotland just struggled for that striker. Mm. They played some good football, and Clark, Steve Clark's gone playing some great football, mates. But they just ain't got an end product. So, and again, now I'm watching them, mate. And they're, they're good defensively, but they've got Fraser going forward, but and John McGinn, but there's no actual goal threat. If that makes sense, do you know what I mean? So. They're a good side, but they're missing that that final product like Wales and Ireland. So it'd be nice to see them again qualify when they've got the uh, playoff final. It'd be nice to see them do it, but they need obviously need goals to do it. So and they haven't got that at the minute. And I don't think there's really a striker of what stands out for Scotland, is there? No, not really. Obviously, really? like you say, it's Ryan Fraser, it's Ollie McBurney, but it's, again, you're John McGill. It's not really anyone. Yeah. I think you. Like, if you're going up a big star, I know what Jacko's just said, obviously, like with Wales, you've got Bale and, and stuff like that. I suppose you could say for Scotland, what, McTominay, nah. maybe? Well, McTominay's not an attacking-minded player, though. That's the problem. No, no, I'm just meaning, like, as a... As a, as a yeah, player, yeah. As yeah. For the nation, probably I don't think McTominay. he's a sort of bigger name, though, really. I don't. I don't, I don't. Personally, I don't rate him either. I mean, he's playing in the back three, I think, and he for Scotland as well, so... Yeah, he's doing the job, mate. I mean, he's doing the job. He's still got. I think he's got a lot to prove. Yeah. Um, but again, like Jacko touched on earlier, mate, he's probably playing in a poor Man United side at, at present. The problem is, do you know what I mean? The so problem com- as well is with the home nations outside of England. Football isn't the be all and end all. I think in Ireland it's Gaelic football and then rugby. Mm. Um, Wales more rugby than anything. Rugby, yeah. Scotland's probably a little bit towards more football than rugby, but rugby's still a big thing. So, uh, but, but the point I'm making is, you're, you're going to have... games. <laughs> because as well as the size of England compared to Scotland, compared to Wales, you're going to have a bigger chance of a catchment area to get these players. But if football mm. isn't sort of the main sporting sort of pedigree that these these nations have they're not going to have that player talent compared to the likes of it no I get that mate but I think fans now are starting to to buy more into football obviously like the Scots and all that want to obviously match at least England I know they're not going to match them in standard yeah. or, but they want to get to, they want to get to these finals Jack yeah yeah no I get that and, and, and compete so I, I get where you're coming from yeah it's not Enough no. talent. Well, in I, I think, I think the question as well is sorry, Jack, I know it's your prop, but on, the, the question as well is the quality of the leagues that they do as well. This is what I was going to say. Yeah. This was my point. You know, the, yeah. the only two decent sides or three decent sides or four decent sides out of Wales were Wrexham, Newport, Swansea, and Cardiff. And they're not in the Welsh League anymore. They are. But where do you, going on that, Jacko, where do you place uh, the leagues then from? the Scottish League to the Welsh League to the Irish League and the Northern Irish League. But out of them four, what what would you say is that the most uh, Scottish probably, I was going to say it's, it's probably Scottish yeah, football. Um, and then what, what, where'd you put the, re- the other I'd three? I'd probably go Scotland, Ireland, Wales and Northern Ireland. I, the only yeah, reason I say yeah. Republic of Ireland ahead of Wales is a lot more of the Irish sides are more likely to win that top flight and get a chance of going into Europe. 
Well, I was going to say, you've got two like Dundalk and that, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, Shamrock um, as well, Cork, Derry. Some of those are really good sides. Whereas in Wales, you've got TNS, um, mm. Airbus, and I think New another Saints. one. Is it New, New Saints? Yeah, that's TNS. Oh. Yeah. And Connor Key as well, weren't like, they? Like you Europe? touched on. Connor's Key, yeah. yeah. And, and Ireland, in Northern Ireland, you've got Limfield. We used to have Limfield, Glen Torren. And Lim, uh, not Limerick. Um, there's a couple of others as well, but then they're not that. After that, that's it. Yeah, mm. I mean, you probably put Wales higher, wouldn't you? If, like you said, uh, Swansea, if, Cardiff, Newport, yeah. If those were in there, some... then definitely. But you know, for whatever reason, they felt they were better served in English football. And if you have a look at where they are, I think only Wrexham are not in the actual football league. I think they're in the Vanarama National League. You've got Newport who are near the top of League Two. You've got Swansea and Cardiff who are in the top of the Championship. You know, mm. so, yeah, it, it's difficult because unless they develop those those leagues and more funding is pumped into those leagues, until that, I think, happens, you're then not going to have the players that are good enough to make international level unless they get picked up by some of the bigger teams and are then actually played instead of just being stuck in Man City's under-23s for five years. Yeah, I mean, I know we've, I've been on it about it before, about um, obviously Scottish teams coming into the Prem and stuff. Do you feel like some Irish teams should come into the EFL, lads? I mean, you know your EFL stuff. Would you like to see like don't, Irish teams and stuff in there? Yeah, yeah, I was thinking about this as we were talking about it. I, I think they should follow rugby. And merge because what what rugby union do is they have the top teams in Ireland, the top teams in Wales, and the top teams in Scotland in one division. Yeah. yeah, and so I feel if they were to do some things like that, that may help. But they'd have to have a lot of funding behind it to do that. I, I think you could probably mm. have the SPL if you were to have the Scottish Premier League sort of merged into the Premier League, and then have from the Championship in that down to. League Two and maybe the Highlands divisions, and then have the top tier, the top tier in Wales, top tier in Ireland, and a couple of the tiers in Northern Ireland, and have that in a, its own sort of FA. Then you might get something, but again, unless the funding's in there, it's not going to work. No, I think that could work though. But like you say, if the funding was there, I think that generally, yeah. like the Pro Fourteen system in rugby, could work because I think it would attract more sort of homegrown players into that sort of league, especially if the quality lifted a little bit. Yeah. But where do they go from that, though? That's what well, I mean. You know, well, I think... It... Do they get promotion to the EFL? No, I, well, no, no, I think, I think it it's their, the league? their league system, but then it gives them a better chance of more competitive games for yeah. Europe. Um, it might sort of broaden that horizon for other teams to come out of nowhere to get into Europe. Um, and then what you could do, because I know they used to do it, um, is they'd sort of have an Anglo-Welsh Cup. Have that. Have mm. the EFL and the, I don't know, UKFL. And have a, a cup and have those in a, like a tournament in the summer or something. Well, well couldn't you chuck them in the uh, Carabao Cup? Yeah, maybe. But, well, with what the... Premier League one this year they, they may not have the fucking Carabao Cup to go into anyway hypothetically if this was all no. to go ahead so I think that 
Or that other cup? What's oh, the other one? Is it the, the, the lower league? Couldn't your they top go in there? ones, maybe. But again, it's whether or not people would want to see that. And if the funding behind it, they'd have to invest in the funding in those cups more so that teams have got mm. fiscal reasons to sort of want to compete in those. Well, I think fans would travel because obviously, like, I don't know, say they got put in that Leasing Cup and you got pulled out against an Irish team. I think I'd travel to yeah, but would, you, just, would you do it on a Tuesday got... night, though? No. That's the thing. <laughs> if it was a weekend sort of cup fixture, then yeah, maybe. But if you're going to do it on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, no one's going to want to do that. I think a weekend. I think a weekend could work because no. you'd have sort of like groups of lads yeah. going away for the weekend sort of thing. But I think midweek, yeah. midweek, yeah. you wouldn't. You'd, you'd get. No. You'd barely get hundreds of fans. You would. You yeah. You struggle to get up to like hundred fans. I think. I think what you could do is sort of an EFL and a UKFL sort of scrap the League Cup because the Premier League don't want that is fine if they want to scrap it replace it with this anglo uk league cup thing and have the championship to lead to and this pro 14 tier and have that in a big cup and then have a big final at and what you could do is you could alternate it at the big stadium so you could one year you could have it at croker park you could have it at principality you could have it at murrayfield in scotland or, or parkhead or Wembley in one year, and and that way you'd sort of on a Sunday or a Saturday, you could have fans from Ireland come over, fans from England, and it'd just be a big piss up to watch a good game of football. But, yeah, sounds good. Yeah, in principle, it sounds good, but the problem is with the way that the money's divvied up now, no one would anyone be interested in doing that. Well, it's about time after t- after extra yeah. time get on it. Yeah. If anyone from the governing <laughs> body is listening, can you make me an email? Yeah, we'll just we'll we'll start a, uh, a GoFundMe page. Everyone chuck it. Some yeah, yeah. And we'll yeah. get it set up. Yeah. <laughs> right, boys. That was a good little chat. To be fair, I think we've gone to talk about home nations and we've ended up creating our own little league system. <laughs> I'm going to get up now and start a database for it. Exactly, yeah. So uh, if that system starts going about, and we've got we've got um, we've got yeah, yeah. Exactly. So we're all right. D- Dean Ammons running the fitness side. Um, yeah, no, we'll that call system... it the after extra time league. I think. Yeah, exactly. after extra time cup. Yeah. yeah, you know, if this if that system yeah. starts coming about, we'll have to take copyright and take the money for it. Um, anyway, boys, I don't know if you saw it. Obviously, um, well, it was breaking news this afternoon. Um, Liverpool and Man U were proposing in a major shake-up in English football um, I don't know if you boys saw it um, no. fucking fuming so I haven't seen it so you might have to uh, blow, blow well, basically, over it for me I'll tell you um, <laughs> basically yeah. the well it's mainly Man United and Liverpool that were uh, sort of running this idea that they're proposing a shake-up for the, the Premier League. And um, there's a lot of sort of things that they want to um, p- propose to put in, the first of which was this... Um, it was they want to change the Premier League to, uh, from eight, eight, 20 clubs to 18. Yeah, 18 teams. Um, yeah. They want to scrap the EFL yes. Cup and the Community Shield. Yeah, scrap the Cup and the Community Shield. They want to... They said the third, oh, fourth, cool. and fifth place team play the sixteenth place team in, in like a tournament sort of base thing. Um, so basically, what it happens is it's a playoff. So the the 
you have two teams that go down automatically. Yeah. And the 16th place team mm. will play in a playoff mm. against the third, fourth and fifth place team in the championship. And mm. it's like a playoffs as normal. Um, and so then, yeah. Well, what a load and of apparently the financial package would be um, a sort it was, of... I think it was... It was 25% of the Premier League annual revenue would go to EFL clubs. Yeah. Um, £250 million would be paid up front to EFL clubs. Um, there were some positives, though. It was, it was, And then there was another one about the nine clubs that have been in the Premier League the longest would dictate the running of it. Um, yeah. well, hold on. So that's United, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man, um, Everton, New, yes. uh, Man City... Yeah, it's well. I think you can see where it's coming. Top, from. It's, it's very it's money based. Big six bollocks. That's yeah. what it is. The only good positive thing that I saw about it was they were saying that away tickets were twenty quid, and that away travel would be subsidised, and they'd like a return to safe standing. That was the only other um, positive thing. But they said something about oh, having no. twenty four teams in the championship as well. But I think, like Jacko said, I think the main reason is the big nine are clearly teams that are very very money driven um, yeah. and I think why fix something that isn't broken um, so Greedy you've obviously we've, we've kind of told you a little bit about that I mean I don't know what do you, what do you think to that are you yeah well I think it's absolutely load of bollocks mate it, what they're doing is so they've got more money more yeah. money going in their pocket they've also then got a good chance of winning the fucking yeah. league themselves and why should a championship side play a fucking Premier League side at that time when they've got probably yeah. better players and a bigger budget? So the odds on really are you'd fancy the Premier League team to beat the championship yeah. side anyway. Fuck off. The championship lads have worked the bollocks off for the season to get in the playoffs so they should play the lads in that playoffs in that league. Not fucking about with the Premier League. And I, and I feel sorry for the championship club. They put all that work in then you think you pull that work in, and he, oh yeah, lads, you're in the well done. You're in, you're in the playoffs. Your next game's fucking Chelsea. I'm not saying they're going to finish 16th, mm. but you know what I mean. Or, or it could be Aston Villa. It could be Villa there. You wouldn't fancy that if you was a Mill, like Jacko's a Millwall fan. He got in the playoffs, and you could either play Jacko like I don't know Barnsley, who have just snuck in the playoffs. That's a fucking but shit season if Millwall and Barnsley in there. Yeah, gosh, Derby, I know, but my argument is. But if if you pulled out and you're meant to play Barnsley, but then all of a sudden you're fucking playing Aston Villa, Jacker, you must be pissed as a Millwall fan thinking oh, this could have been our it's year. It's a frustrating one because they obviously feel that if they were to use this as a way of structuring the, the league, they think they're doing enough mm. to keep clubs from going bust, which isn't the case because they need more than that. There's 72 teams outside that Premier League. 25, 250 million over those 72 is not going to cover the cost for everybody. No. Well, that's why they should donate that fucking £15 pay per well, view yeah, to the EFL teams. I totally agree so with that. that. Um, you know, it's the same playoff system that they have in Scotland, if that's the case, as well as a few other leagues around, uh, around Europe, which I, I just, I hate that. If, you know, you've played with this team these groups of teams this season, pit yourselves against them. They're the best ones of that league. Well, I think... Go on, Greeny. So, so next up, they'll be taking it like... Um, 
like rugby then. So you finish top, you don't win the Prem, you got to do a playoff. Well, that, that's, that's oddly enough, that's where I was going with it. They're sort of ring fence the Premier League. Yeah. Because if, if you cut that down to 18 mm. teams, top nine in that mm. are going to finish in the top half of the table every year. And then it's a case of, well, the red, yeah. other nine teams have got to fight for themselves because we're just going to sort of run away with it. You know, I think as well, a lot of those big, big teams probably can afford with the, the sponsorships and the merchandise and all that sort of stuff could probably afford more than the 250 million that they're agreeing. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I know, I think Jack and you just mentioned it, that they want to suck yeah. off this EFL Cup and stuff. But what, but what they're not thinking about, and I think we've touched on this before, is that that's great for the smaller clubs yeah. to make money. So if they're going to sack this off, where, where's the money going to well, come from? Well, obviously they're saying that we're going to pay two hundred fifty million straight up for clubs, and then I get that. But like Jacko said, it's not going to be enough for seventy-two teams. Jack. Prem revenue goes to lower league clubs, but yeah, like you said, if, if they say, hold on, yeah, that's they're saying it's two hundred and fifty million for the rest of the football league. So that's 72 teams. That's three and a half million per team. Yeah, it's, oh. not, it's not viable no. mate, to even last the season. No, I mean, like you say, I'm just reading the facts. Not, you know? I'm, oh. I'm not, I'm just like saying, saying the thing to you boys. I mean, I don't know where this money's coming from. I don't know who's, where, where it's coming from. Like you said, I don't know. I mean, I can kind of, but surely they'll make more money. Well, I, I don't know, mate. Like you say, I, 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 to be honest, mate, I don't think. Well, I'm hope hoping that this is the last year of this. I mean, I don't want to. I mean, I don't know. It might happen. It might not. I mean, if if it does, I, I, I'm I'm going to go with Stan Collymore on this. Stan Collymore put something out on Twitter about this, saying that football has become a corrupt, greed uh, orientated game. And that if they were to go with this proposal, it would ruin football. And I can't disagree with that because I just don't see the benefits for teams. Because a lot of the championship clubs, yeah, they've probably got decent owners that can probably you know, sort of add to the money that the lack of the $250 million would give. So you could probably pass a bit more of that on. But if that's the case, I guarantee Man City make $250 million in all their fucking sponsorship and merchandising deals anyway. So why not invest, I don't know, mm. 350 million? At least by then it gives some of those chances. Like Bolton, who have had issues with poor poor owners in the past, at least they'd be able to clear those debts and avoid the winding up orders that they've been given in the first place. Yeah, I agree. If it happens to me, I, I won't be putting a fucking penny in it, mate. And I'll rather put, we'll go down yeah. and watch Arbor Town play well, I think UCL level. Enjoy a proper game of football and put my money into a club. Or yeah, I think a lot of people said on Twitter as well about this. Even I know we touched on it in the live, the, the pay per view thing, the fourteen ninety five mm. per thing. I think if yeah. people are really contemplating that, you need to have a, have a thing and just say, do you know what? Go down your local club, pay a tenner, go and watch some local football, have a beer, enjoy some local footy, yeah. put put some money into yeah. a, a local club, and you know, and support your local clubs because more obviously this was happening before COVID, but with COVID now. You know, I know obviously we are seeing some fans go into non-league grounds, etc. But they're the ones that that need the money. You know, your Premier League yeah, clubs yeah. they don't need, they don't need money. Yeah, they'll say obviously they're saying, oh yeah, we're losing money with COVID and stuff. You know, you've got teams like Macclesfield are on their arse purely mm. because of that, and you've got people like Man City who are spending sixty million on a player and they can't fork out 
a million pound or five hundred thousand pounds to a little uh, it's like my, my argument with Arsenal. They're prepared to pay Wales 450 grand a week. They've re- rejected uh, or turned down the deal from someone else. Mm. Um, and they've made redundant 60 people. You know, it's... It, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things wrong with the Premier League. And I, I think, unfortunately, it's now come to light more with what's happened during COVID. Yes, it's been a tough time for everyone. I get that. But with deals like this, it opens the eyes. The problem you've got, though, is that you will still have people that will spend 15 quid on a pay-per-view game to watch Chelsea versus Man United or something if it's not picked up on Sky. That's the problem. And I think, I know for a fact, I will not be forking out another 15 quid with the, the subscription fees that I've already got now. I'd rather invest that in a local club if I can go to yeah, so. yeah, I completely agree, boys. Um, just looking to yesterday, obviously there was some football being played. Um, obviously mm. with, there was some internationals being played, etc. Um, but there was also some League One and League Two football. Um, I know we're obviously not League One and League Two fanatics, but we'll uh, yeah. we'll have a little look into it to finish it with. I think we'll, we'll try and sound like we know what we're doing. Yeah, exactly that. Um, Jacko Ipswich won convincingly again. Um, mm. Putting four plus Blackpool and beating them four one. Um, yeah. Sort of. I don't want to. I know we keep saying on each podcast are they going to win the league and they're going to do that, but um, they're sort of setting a nice early pace in League One, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I think the, the two closest were Hull and Lincoln, and they got to them got beat this weekend resoundingly. So yeah. I, I think it's a, a massive boost for Ipswich. which is a good start for them. Um, you know, they've been at this level for a couple of seasons now, and I think Lambert's. They, they've got a manager who's sort of prepared to be committed to sort of steady the ship and move it forward, which is good to see. Um, and, you know, you'd like to see Ipswich back in the championship because, it, you know, uh, apart from a couple of seasons in the sort of early 2000s and when they were sort of around in this, the 60s and 70s and 80s when they won it a couple of times, um, you know, Ipswich have always been there or thereabout. So, to, you know, to see them do well is nice. I don't want to see him come to Millwall because they always get a fecking result against us. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's good to see that they've they've started off this season really well. Greeny, one for you then. Uh, Peterborough United, you know, we felt yeah. aggrieved that they didn't get into the playoffs due to the uh, points per game system yeah. uh, last season. They've uh, won the last two mm. games and they sit uh, in fifth place. So they sort of getting back on the on the horse now and uh, finding a bit of form. Yeah, I think so, mate. I mean, Darren Ferguson, mate, he's, he he do, always does a good job with Peterborough. And, uh, yeah, we touched on it, didn't we? Where Peterborough was in there at the end of uh, at the end of obviously the season, then they got kicked out for Wickham, which is a massive kick in the teeth, mate. But they'll be up there. Peterborough are up there every year, mate. To be honest, it just sometimes they fizzle out a little bit. But I think this year it's probably a tough league one. I mean, I'm looking at some teams. You have got Ipswich, Hull, Charlton, Oxford. But and it, it's some big teams in there, really. So it's going to be difficult for them than normal years. But I think they've just got enough pedigree, mate, to get up. The only thing what lets them down, I feel, is uh, obviously Ivan Tony, mate. What yeah, I think they've lost goal. Madison as well, or they're set to lose Madison. I think yeah. that's the problem with Peterborough. They're in a situation where they're, they're getting. Up, 
they are, yeah, I don't think McAntony wants to do it. I think McAntony is accepting the fact that he has to do it to keep the club going in the times that they are. And I think if COVID hadn't happened and they had got through the playoffs like they were expecting to at the back end of last season, it might have been a bit different. But they are having to sell some of their better, better calibre players at the minute. So I think if they can keep going as they are now, they, they'll do all right. It's just depending if they get to sort of January and a couple more of their players go. Yeah. Just to finish up with them, boys, just a little dive into League Two. Um, I know, obviously, we we try and mention all aspects of football here. I know that we can't really have the time to go through every League One and League Two game, so obviously we just pick a couple of standouts. Um, I'm sorry if you support a League One and League Two club, we don't mention them. Um, um, Jacko, Morecambe, who yeah. were down and fighting last season, currently yeah. sat top of uh, League Two. Is that a tenant for the books or...? Yeah, it is. I think, you know, Morecambe have obviously worked hard in the off-season to sort of steady this ship. And, you know, it's a tough league, um, League 2, um, with some of the teams that are there or should be there or thereabouts this season. Um, so, yeah, it's it's nice to see them doing well and hopefully they can sort of keep the run going and, and build themselves a, a bit of a lead at the top of League 2. Yeah. I agree with you. I think um, it's always nice to see someone who was struggling in the back in the last season. Um, hopefully, you know, try and stay up there as long as possible. Um, to finish up with then, Greeny, uh, we'll pick uh, Newport, on, who were early pace setters. Uh, played yeah. sort of, I don't want to say yeah. top of the table clash, but it sort of was. Um, Cambridge beat Newport. Is that a, yeah. uh, a sort of game that's going to see two teams yeah. at the top end of the seat towards the end of the season? Or what do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think so, mate. Uh, Newport, Newport are a good, a good outfit. I feel. I mean, they've, they've done a lot of cup upsets, as you both know, lads. Um, they've got to carry that form in the league, haven't they? I mean, if they can beat Championship sides, Prem sides, you'd feel they could bring it into the league. But obviously, it don't work like that. But Cambridge even surprised me this year, mate. From I don't know it's only five games gone, but they're up there again. Which is decent. What I thought you might touch on, Jack, is uh, Grimsby and Oldham for me. Can I'm just going to quickly move on to them. But a great manager, a great manager at Grimsby would be another way. And I, I, <laughs> I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that there this year. <laughs> I agree. I, I only chose it because Ian Holloway's got that pedigree for league football. And I just yeah, thought, Grimsby you know what, he's going to turn that club round. <laughs> but obviously. <laughs> Obviously, he hasn't done it yet. And then the other one, I know we de- definitely touched on, I'm sure me and you, Jack, we both said the same on this, was Oldham when uh, Harry Kiel went. And we yeah, said, we, yeah. I don't, we don't think he'll do nothing at that club. And and I, and I think at the minute, we're, we're spot on, mate. The other uh, one, game, get the <laughs> one game. Harry, yeah. And he did nothing when he was at Crawley. And I was quite yeah, surprised I agree when with he you, got mate. his I Oldham think, job. Uh... The proof was in the pudding there. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I think Oldham's always been a club that yeah. sort of struggled in League 2. Um, in terms of trying to yeah. progress at that league table. I know they were fighting towards the back in the last season before the football got stopped and that. Um, I know you're saying that Harry Kuehl is not started off well when he didn't do anything in Crawley. I, I think there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes at Oldham that aren't helping that club as well. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm just saying, I, I was going to say, I don't well, agree yeah. with why he took that job. Maybe, he no. it. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it was that appealing. Um, but, yeah, I think we said at the time when he got appointed, it was sort of a backwards sort of step. And 
you know, I don't, we didn't know why he took that sort of job. Um, I know, obviously, Crawley are in the same league as, you know, I would have been already five games in, but they are towards the top half of the table. So, yeah, it's a strange one, really. I don't know why he sort of decided to move to Oldham. Um, like Jacko says, I think there's a lot of goings on behind the scenes, though, that aren't beneficial to the club and towards Harry Kill and obviously him not getting results uh, on the pitch isn't really helping matters any either as no. well. Um, yeah, just go through some uh, things as well, boys. I think, you know, we've covered, obviously, as much as we can cover this week, obviously, in terms of it being an international break. Um, you know, hopefully we'll be back next week with some, uh, you know, when the football comes back. Um you can, as always, contact us on the email. Jacko would look forward to getting an email. You know, you mm. can get many, uh, apart from his security emails or his you yeah, know, yeah. emails, etc. <laughs> you can you can email him on after extra time twenty twenty at gmail dot com. He'd love to hear from you. Um, as always, follow our Facebook page where you get all the latest updates on who's on our pods. Uh, we do our weekly Facebook lives on the Friday nights on there. Um, our predictions are on there. You know, our news is on there. Everything's on there. Just give us a follow. Follow our Twitter page as well, which is obviously after extra time. Um, and I think Greeny's doing the Facebook live on Friday, I believe. Yeah, um, I am I believe there's a couple yeah. of special guests. Couple of special guests on, that he'll be announcing on the Facebook live as well. So keep peeled on that. And obviously, part two of this podcast, you've got Akil Housen, who is a championship linesman. So, looking forward to that one. Can I just quickly... Sorry, lads. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you're aware, this week, it was um, on Thursday, it was World Mental Health Day. Yeah, I'm aware. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I just want to say, I know we talked about mental health before. Um, please, uh, from my, you know, I think all of us can agree it's an important thing to talk about. Um, I just want to put out there, you know, if you need someone to talk to, we're always available. There's always, you can always message us. There's numbers out there for you to call mine, Samaritans. I just want to say it's, it's okay to not be okay. And don't be afraid to talk about it. Talk to your mates. People will listen to you. I know it's difficult at times, especially with how COVID has been. But I just wanted to say, you know, from the three of us, we all care for you. We all make sure you stay. Just, just talk to somebody if you need to. Yeah, good chat there, Jacko. And uh, also, on regard to that line, check back our previous podcast with Marlon King. Um, that goes obviously in depth, like you boys know, boys, about mental health. So... If you do want to go back, have a look. It's a great talk, what we've done about mental health with, with Marlon. So get on it and check it out again. It's um, well worth a listen. And just another one, Jack, just before we go to part two, is uh, our sponsor, Dean Hammond. So just just again, mm. thanks for the sponsor, Dean. So it's Dean Hammond, Elite Fitness. And you can find him on Instagram, Dean Hammond. Just click on his link and it will take you to his website. So, yeah, massive thanks to yeah, Dean Hammond, Elite Fitness. Yeah, I think that's a very poignant note for us to end on part one. Um, I agree with you. Know, I completely agree with Jacko. Um, but like I say, there's boys, you know, we all know that obviously, like I say, it, just please do speak out, you know, like you say, people would rather hear from you now and and hear your story and listen to you now than, you know, listen to that story at a funeral or something like that, yeah. you know. Yeah, totally. You know, whoever, anyone, you know, you can inbox, you can even inbox me on Twitter, 
not even our after extra you know extra time page any of us just yeah please yeah. please do get in touch with anyone you know talking definitely does help you know people would much rather listen to you now than you know be, than be at a funeral etc i just think yeah you know hopefully these podcasts you know sort of cheer people up and mm-hmm. you know try and bring a smile on people's faces and you know you know just especially with the times running at the moment as well boys you know it's it, you know it is, t- it is hard times out there so yeah please do talk and you know we're always open. We're, our messages are always open and our emails are always yeah, open exactly yeah get on it and if, if, if anyone is uh, wanting to chat or just want a football chat and brighten up their uh, lives a little bit boys yeah, John is on a, on a Facebook live or anything yeah just come and have a natter right boys looking forward to part two so yeah thank you for yeah. listening appreciate everyone keep doing what you're doing keep following our stuff keep sharing it thank you cheers thank you boys as well Hello and welcome back to part two of After Extra Time, your footballing weekly podcast. We have a special guest on this week and that is Akil Housen, who is a linesman in the EFL. How are you doing, mate? You alright? Yeah, good, thank you. Hope you are too. Yeah, I'm all good, mate. Um, so, obviously, you're a uh, EFL linesman. So, what yeah. sort what sort of made you get into that? We'll start with that. Um, it, it's quite it's quite funny, really. Um, I, I used to play. I, I I love football. I used to play. Um, and my mum's a referee, to be fair. And when I was 14, she basically just got tired of me sitting on the bench for the Sunday league teams and not really going anywhere. So she just said, "Why don't you just take a course in refereeing?" I didn't think nothing of it, and literally 14 years later for the past five years it's literally been my job so yeah I've been full time on the on, on the championship for the last five years so I, I didn't it, it was never a dream it was never a plan it was it was never meant to be this way I always wanted to be in the stadiums but not not as a referee as, as, as a player really yeah I think a lot of people listening to this will, will agree with that I obviously I play Saturday league and stuff like that as well and I well, that was another one of my questions was going to be how um, how do you think more and more like kids and even adults as well, how do we get them to try and do referee courses or become linesman referees? Because obviously, like you said, uh, me included, we all want to play football, but we never really want to be the one in the middle or one on the side. So what do you think needs to be done to sort of promote refereeing and that sort of thing and try and get more people down that route? See, it's it, it's it's all about your passion, really. I I. I'm and like you've just said, I, I'm passionate about football. I'm, if you want to have a debate with me now about for two, three, four hours about the England game, I, I can give you the tactics and all sorts. I'm passionate about football, <laughs> um, and and I I got lucky, I think, in terms of my mum saying at fourteen, go and take a course. But what I think they they should do is just literally, if you're an academy, if you're an academy at, at a young age, at fourteen, they should put you on. Uh, a referee course you don't have to take a referee but put you on the course so you've got the qualification and then I think at 16 when you're allowed just put them on a coaching course again they don't have to do it if they're good enough to be footballers let them be footballers but that's what they should be doing in terms of let's say curriculum type thing in an academy that will get numbers in because we all know the numbers that sort of not fail but drop out of academies and then I just think it should be more of a thing to do like even on grassroots put people on coaching and refereeing courses because the only reason people are playing grassroots football, I mean, I don't know if you had a game today or a game yesterday, but 
it, it's not too bad now because the weather's okay. But in next month or or the month after that, when it's freezing cold, you've probably been out with, mm. with your mates or you, you don't really want to wake up at, in, in the freezing cold, let's say. The only reason you're doing that is because you love for the game. So if you love the game that much, why not take a course in refereeing and coaching to give you another option um, if, if, if you need it? Because, I mean, some of the people I've met, some of the games that I've done, it's, it's well, well worth it for the sake of a, a couple of hours out your, out your life to do a refereeing course. Yeah, I, I agree, mate. No, I played yesterday and, uh, you know, we're, we're, look, we're quite lucky. I play in Peterborough League Division 4 and we still get referees. Yeah. Um, so we're obviously quite lucky with that, but with linesmen, we have to our subs have to do it. Yeah, and obviously, some people are obviously quite reluctant to do it. So, like you said, I think just putting them in those sort of courses would sort of give people more of an insight. And I think, like you said, if people are passionate for football, then you know why don't they get like you say free courses with coaching and stuff like that and learn all the aspects of it rather than just playing as well. Yeah, I think we're it, very one dimensional, aren't we, in terms of just looking at the players and stuff. It's an option as well. It's it's just such a later option where, because I got in so quite young, I, I, I'm okay at the moment, and I've probably got twenty thirty years left. But if you did want to play till till you end up retiring, most people retire whatever level at thirty five ish. You you've still got twenty thirty years of a refereeing course to take up, and it only took me eight years to get to, to the top level. So when you look at it, even if you took a course whenever you're playing. Whenever you decided to, whenever you decided you wanted to take a course, you could just take a course, and you could still take up a refereeing route after you finish playing. So you don't have to give up playing whatever level you're playing at, but it is just that backup option to just keep yourself going without the injuries. Let's say. Yeah. Do you think, um, as a player, or as a, well, when you did play, do you think that gives you more? of a sort of insight into refereeing linesmen or do you think it made it harder? Because obviously you've been on both sides of it so you know how hard it can be from both positions. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it's, a, it's a weird... So when I was on... When I was refereeing coming through the system, because because I played, I always wanted to be players' friends um, and I'm sure you know from playing, a referee can't really be your friend um, and if a referee is your friend, all you do as a player is just manipulate them and, use it to your advantage and just sort of play on the referee. So, yeah, when I was coming through, all I wanted to do is be everyone's friends. I was trying to be everyone's best friend. And in reality, there had to be that sort of assertiveness where I couldn't be everyone's friends. I had to be sort of a bit strong at times. So it was a good thing in terms of I understood the game, I understood where players were coming from, and maybe it was too good for the players because I was trying to be their friends. It, then when the penny dropped and I realised that I can't be everyone's friends, I have to, I've got a job to do, really. I became better in my refereeing and I then flew through the system. So it's a yeah and no. It, I mean, for Sunday League, I still do grassroots stuff. For grassroots stuff, it's perfect. But if you want to go through the system, obviously you have to make stronger decisions. You have to be stronger with players. You have to be stronger with certain people. That's when it becomes a no and that's when you sort of have to be a bit more stronger and take note, take nothing off players, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I, I um, sometimes try and get on the side with the referee, but I'm <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm usually the opposite and getting uh, bollocked by the referee, to be fair, or <laughs> getting a talking to, to be fair. So um, I'm sure they hate me. Um, going on to, obviously, sort of football these days, obviously, you obviously don't have it in the EFL, but VAR is obviously a main talking point of most sort of weekends of football. And we've spent, 
you know, quite a lot of time on this podcast debating it. And I'm sure Jacko obviously has had a lot of words to say on it. <laughs> he's not the big, he's not the biggest fan of it. Um, what, what's your, first and foremost, what's your thoughts on VAR? Do you think it's beneficial to the game, or you know? Yeah. Yes. Yes. The answer is yes. Um, I've I was fortunate fortunate enough to um, have been involved in a lot of the training and a lot of the setting up for VAR. Um, the the answer is yes. It's it it's there and as a referee and at the level that I'm at and the level that the guys at the Premier League are at and obviously higher Champions League etc. Um, you you now don't ever especially at their level you would never drive home thinking wow I've cost someone a title I've cost this team this I'm going to be on the front not front page of papers but for the whole weekend Sky Sports News is going to be talking about me I know it still happens but the concept behind VAR is that's taken away you, you're sort of protected in a bubble that at least that decision has been reviewed at least it's only honest mistakes but at least that honest mistake has been reviewed the way it's working um, it's such a black and white sort of system and there's so much pressure and Obviously, football is such a fast-paced game that you have to make a decision. You have to review that decision straight away. And that's obviously affecting fans' experiences and players' experiences. However, I'll just time be brief and I'll just say that, yes, I think it will benefit the game. The way it's working at the moment, potentially there could be tweaks, but it's a brand-new system. Um, and I think that's probably just the unfortunate thing. It's just a brand-new system that's not working to perfection at the moment, unfortunately, for everyone involved basically yeah i think see i with my sort of point of view i think it changes week in week out because obviously we've seen yeah. i think the, the last world cup it worked brilliantly and me and jack always touch on the mm. fact that it worked really well there but then last season in the premier league we had a lot of like teething issues with it um yeah. i think at times you, you can see when it works well it works brilliantly yeah but then there's a lot of times it, when you, you kind of think is it being used in the right way um why aren't the referees using the screen? You know, why aren't they reviewing things? Yeah, so I think, like you said, I think it will become beneficial. It's just one of them things where we've got to like grin and bear it for the sort of early years while we sort of get those teething issues out. But I think eventually it will become sort of beneficial to us. And, you know, I think we've seen times where it has become beneficial as well. Yeah. it. I mean, last season was, there was, I mean, offside is black and white, but then, I know we were looking at things where there, I know there's decisions that were highlighted where someone was literally a, a hair offside and, and they, those decisions were given. And you sort of look and you think, wow, how's that happening? But it, it's just unfortunate that in the Premier League, it was the, the players and the players and managers that all sort of said, basically, if the referee's going over to the screen, then we're just going to put so much pressure on them and we don't want them to go over the screen because we want to protect the fact that we're a fast-paced league. So then our bosses tried to keep it like that and our bosses obviously wanted to keep it a no screen policy type thing and then we saw how bad that went so now at least they're going over to screens this season um so at least that shows some sort of change and some sort of progress i hope it gets better just for the official sake because as an official it is quite embarrassing seeing not embarrassing maybe embarrassing is the wrong word it is quite annoying and frustrating when you you sort of see that referees and really asked me and highlighted again when all you want to do when you switch on your TV and watch football is just look at the quality of the players or the quality of the tactics or the quality of the result rather than moaning about a decision that's sort of gone against the team type thing. 
Yeah, no, I get that as well. I think, again, obviously, I think fans find that obviously the most frustrating thing is just the waiting time for it as well. And the fact that, obviously, you want to celebrate a goal, but you're not sure whether it's been a goal or not. And you, you kind of like, do I celebrate it? Don't I celebrate it? I think that's the only annoying thing from like a fan sort of point of view. I think, again, yeah. though, like like we said, if it's been working or it's worked or used in the right way, then, it, then it's great. But I think sometimes it can just be frustrating when... Like you said, it's sort of like the, a hair or like a sort of toenail off an offside and stuff like that. They're just, I think sometimes people just obviously wish we could just go back to obviously using the naked eye and then obviously just, obviously people are going to make mistakes and stuff like that. But I think obviously like anything in, the, in this sort of like age now, it's going to be sort of a, a technology-based sort of thing, isn't it? We're, we're going in that sort of direction. Yeah, definitely. And it, the, the obviously hairline decisions were obviously great, but then, and everyone says they wish for that. Then you come, you come to a championship, and if an official makes a sort of hairline mistake or, or a subjective mistake, they're then the worst thing ever. So, and then everyone in the championship is screaming for VAR. So it, it doesn't, it doesn't win. Like no one can win in this situation. It's just they've just got to get it. So fans are happy. I think fans are the most important. Players will just adapt to whatever they've adapted to behind closed doors. They'll adapt to whatever because it's their job, basically. But it's the fans that are the most important. And as soon as they can get the fan experience right, then at least the system will be working perfectly. Yeah, I agree with you, mate. I think I think once the fans are on board, then I, I think I don't think there'll be as much mentioned about it. I think I think obviously it's still getting mentioned a lot now because it's new as well. I think once we've had it for like more and more seasons down the line, it will become sort of second nature. And we'll we'll get used to it, and like you say, those teeth injuries will get out, and fans will be happy with it. Do you um, obviously staying with the sort of EFL? Do you think? VAR should be used in the EFL or do you think it will be in the coming years? Well, so when VAR came in, we were involved in the training and I think they basically thought that it will be in within a couple of years, um, basically copying the same thing, copying the way that goal line technology worked. I think because of how it worked the first year, that's taken a massive back step and also the finances obviously with the pandemic that we're in I don't think clubs will want to fund um, VAR when they're sort of happy-ish at the moment how things are going so their plan was yes to come into the championship but with everything that's going on in the world with with the way it sort of works straight away I don't think any EFL club will actually want that straight away now so I think it'll be a while before we see that in the championship and EFL now. Yeah, um, I don't know if you're aware, well, you're obviously not aware, but obviously you're probably aware that Green's obviously a Leicester fan, but me and Jacko are both uh, fans of championship teams. Um, yeah. I'm a Derby fan and Jacko's a Millwall fan, so I think from... <laughs> <laughs> not funny, Greeny. Anyway, from uh, I think from mine and Jacko's <laughs> point, I'm kind of happy that we haven't got VAR. I don't know what Jacko thinks about it. No, um, I, I like the fact that VAR is available. And, you know, I can understand that... It's a difficult system to sort of bring into the game, and you've got to start somewhere. And I, I get, but and as Jack mentioned, you know, the World Cup in Russia, it, it worked really, really well, and and that's how I envisage VAR going. I, it's just frustrating from a fan's point of view that we haven't got that straight away, and you know that's where I see it going. But obviously, it's just a, a time constraint of it getting to that right spot. Um, one thing I do want to ask about it, Akil, if possible. Um, yeah, it's fine. Do you think, I don't know if you watch a lot of cricket or rugby, but they have a lot of communication audible to fans and viewers between the sort of officials on the field and 
the TV replay studios. Do you think that would be yeah. beneficial from a fan's perspective to have that come in? Or do you think it would sort of confuse situations more? So they have, they they do release um, communication to broadcasters right. at the moment. So I don't know if you watch football. Or I've, I've not heard anything off Sky when they have used it. I didn't know no, that. No, so you, you, won't, you won't hear, well, Sky, I, I don't know if, I, I don't know the ins and outs of why, but right. I know when you watch football as well, I know that broadcasters, it, it goes live. The images that you, you see or, or whatever, everything goes live from the VAR hub. So yeah. that is on at the moment. And obviously the broadcasters can obviously hear everything that's being said. Yeah. I, I don't know why they don't release that to fans. I don't know why they don't show that live, but there's already enough pressure. So I think putting that pressure on the whole world can hear you, what you're saying whilst you're making a decision. Mm. Because, I mean, the things like penalty decisions, most of them are subjective. Obviously, handball came in and it, it came in as a fact. Yeah. But they've gone, they've gone back to being subjective. So you, most of the time you're reviewing subjective decisions and you don't say much from the VAR, but what you are saying is it looks like a pull, it looks like this, it looks like that, it it could be this, yeah. the on-field said this, blah, blah, blah. If fans started hearing officials or the VAR saying, well, it could be, or... I mean, I, there was um, a decision the other week at Leeds-Man City. I don't know if anyone remembers that game where there could have been a potential red card um, late on in the game, it was for a tackle, but the, the official for that would have been sort of the VAR for that, and the official on the day would have sort of said, Oh, he goes in like this or whatever. Yeah. And the VAR would have probably been talking, and the broadcasters would have been hearing him say, or him or her sort of say, um, Well, I don't think there's much force. Let's see this angle. No, no, it's not there. Uh, yeah. If fans started hearing the sort of it, it's not indecisive. It's basically just trying to confirm and trying to put pieces to the puzzle together right. because it can come across as indecisive. Yeah. If you start releasing that to fans, I think that's just another can of worms that will just get open. And I really don't think that fans are ready. Not the way the system is at the moment. I just don't think fans are ready to start hearing that communication well, okay. yet at the moment. Especially if um, you've got Akil saying Paul Pogba needs to put his dummy in, eh, Akil? Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, when, when you've got players moaning at you and, yeah, because every, every, everything's live. It's all recorded anyway, but everything's live. So, yeah, anything from the on field's live. Yeah. And again, you've got fourth official that's right next to managers. So, you've had a manager that's, because obviously they see the replay straight away, so you've had a manager that's sitting there wanting to celebrate a goal and then it's getting brought back. Obviously, fans and everyone will hear what the managers are saying. So, it, at the moment, it protects everyone involved. It protects players. It protects everyone involved to not release that at the moment. Just give it to the broadcasters. And they then, obviously, from commentary say, oh, it's been checked. It's check complete. Or it's this. It's, they're looking at this. Or they're looking at it for this. Blah, blah, blah. And so far, that's probably the easiest thing to do. Okay. And it just protects everyone until the system probably gets to a perfect order like the way goal on technology yeah all right thank you yeah so i, I know you touched on handball like you and i think yeah. it's become more and more of an issue over the last coming seasons um yeah sh- straight in there with the question do you think you it should just be made simpler like it used to be it, so we we've i don't know if you're aware we've gone back in the Premier league and efl we've gone back to how it was last year, the year before that. Yeah. Um, so we, we, we're we not doing European handballs. Um, I call them European handballs because that's 
where they're usually given. In Europe, if it touches your hand, it's usually a handball. We're not doing that now. We're going back to, if it looks like it's on purpose, it's on purpose. Or as a defender, if you've made yourself bigger, you've gained the advantage for making yourself bigger. Mm. So in, in simple terms, even though as a defender, you don't mean it. If you've made yourself bigger, you've blocked a shot, the game's played with your feet, not your hands. If you've blocked a shot, that can't be allowed. So yeah, we've gone to make things just a bit simpler. And that's been in since last week. So yeah, there'll be no random handballs in our game at least um, at the moment. The, 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 the only way you can make it simpler is to do what they've done and do a zero tolerance. But zero tolerance, I don't think, works in the game that we have. Because, well, I say we. I, I don't think it works in our sport as football because people will do anything. You've got defenders putting their bodies on the line just to stop shots and everything. And it just doesn't work because it, the ball will inevitably hit your hand. And it's sort of unfair, really, because people are losing points over it. I support Tottenham. And <laughs> in the Tottenham-Newcastle game, obviously, three <laughs> points were yeah. given away over, over a Let, Let's end this podcast now. We spoke about I think me and Jacko talking about that Tottenham game. I couldn't, I, we couldn't believe what we've seen. I think me and Jacko... No. Uh, it was ridiculous. Um, I, when stuff like that happens, it's just for me. I, oh, it's so frustrating. Even if even, I wasn't, you know, I've got no affiliation to Tottenham or Newcastle whatsoever. But I just think times like that, it's just like, it's just yeah, it's awful. yeah, exactly. But the the only positive, and I sort of wish it sort of happened. Obviously, I'm a Spurs fan, but I, w- I wish it sort of happened just for VAR's sake. But the VAR on that game was trying their hardest to look for an offside. So it, that might have taken long for the check, but because the ham, the handball footage was conclusive, the VAR was trying their hardest to try and look for an offside in the build. Not try and look, but to see if every, there was an offside in the build-up. Um, and I, I know that came on the sort of Sky Sports screens. They were looking for an offside just because they obviously didn't want to be the next person given a spontaneous handball when a player clearly didn't mean it. So they were trying and, and I sort of wish that had happened because I think the press, the fans would have then been like, oh, look how amazing VAR is. They've managed to sort of protect Spurs from a from a situation that's really unfair in the last minute of a game by spotting this offside. It's a shame that everyone was onside because now no one can really give VAR that credit. Instead of giving VAR a lot of credit, a lot of people are now slating VAR on the back of that game. But just... just I don't want to try and stick up VAR a lot, but VAR did try their hardest on that game to see if that was an offside because they, because obviously I think officials, and that's why it has changed, we were getting a bit sort of, is this really fair for football? Is this now ruining the game for handballs like that? So they were, we were getting ourselves a bit worked up, but luckily that has changed. It's gone to the most simplest form that we can have. So in the next few weeks when football's back here, we shouldn't see handballs like that anymore. That's good. Yeah, I agree with you. I think this like the simpler it is, the the more easy it is to understand as well for well for everyone, for fans, players, anyone that's watching as well. Um I read online that last year you won an award at the Football Blacklist Awards or something. Yeah, so um it's an award put on by Leon Manning. It was it was good to get the invite really, but it's it's just for inspirational black people um in, in football that they they don't really want it to be players, they want it to sort of be anyone who's not a player um, of a black 
of a black heritage. Um, and obviously because I'm a referee, I managed to win that award last year. So yeah, it was congratulations, Akil. Yeah, well Thank you very just, much. Yeah, Thank what touching on that sort of thing, obviously. It's become a lot more prominent in the last, well, last six months, year sort of thing. Obviously, we've got the Kick It Out campaign, um, obviously the Black Lives Matter movement as well. Do you think, um, well, just football in general, does need to do more to sort of include sort of like um, black people, Asians, ethnic minorities as referees or sort of linesmen? Um, yes. And I'm actually working with my bosses at the moment, Um they are really trying and they just don't know. So we're working on ways of trying to get that in place. Um, so yes, um, there, sh- there should be more done, but the, the, my bosses are trying and there will be things in place to hopefully get that to, to sort of hit the forefront, which, which should be good. Uh, take the pressure off me as well. Kind of hope that should be good. But yeah, no, football's in a, in a tough place that, at the moment and I just hope it sort of comes out of that in terms of everyone just enjoy the game of football no matter what people's beliefs are skin colours like I know that with like we're in 2020 and there's still not an openly gay footballer which is fine Mm. I just think there has to be like and, and I don't know if that's the fear of people not wanting to come out but in 2020 I think yeah it shows what sort of state that football's in. If yeah, yeah I, I think I think in terms of that, I think obviously like football, there's sort of like a um, sort of like a generic. Oh, football players are hard, you know. Football players, I think obviously, well, in terms of that, the whole way across, obviously with whether that be with people coming out or even that with like mental health and stuff. Obviously, you know, our oh, football players can't do that. You know, they're hard or they sort of you know they don't feel like emotions and stuff. And I think I'm actually. I don't know if we spoke about it on the podcast before or I was listening to it on another podcast, but I think if like a sort of like a massive, maybe not even in the Premier League, but like a sort of massive like top end footballer came out, I think, or or even a couple of them came out, I think then, I think if one did it, everyone else would, or other like people, um, other gay people would have that yeah. com- sort of confidence to come out as well. I just think it just needs one person to just, you know, find that confidence to obviously come out because like you say, we're in 2020 now and... It's, yeah, you know, the stuff like that shouldn't be an issue, but obviously it clearly still is. Yeah, that's really it, it will happen. The the first person that does, it will literally be I think a lot of people will then just be open and honest with their sexualities and I think a lot of people will. I, I, I still just really don't understand. I'm not in that situation. I don't I wouldn't know what people are going through who are in that uh, situation. Yeah. But when you look at the sort of affairs that football are in and you look at the world that we're in. I mean, I don't, I've never been to Pride, but I've seen photos of Pride. The amount of people that are at Pride, you sort of think that well, if there's that many people that are sort of uh, um, gay, let's say, well, how can no footballers be gay when that many people play yeah. football or, uh, or be open or comfortable enough to be open? Um, and again, same with obviously the situation with not many black coaches, not many black referees. As soon as you, you sort of get one through the door if that's the right way of, of saying it mm. that there will then be a push and 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 it, it just needs to sort of happen sooner rather than later just so we don't go backwards in terms of i know that there's the black lives matter movement but then you see the backlash with the black lives matter movement and stuff like that 
I don't think there should be backlashes. I think it should, whatever people's opinions are, whatever people want to say, do, should just happen and people just accept it for what it is. And, and, and as soon as we get to a place where we can just accept things for what they are, then I think we'll all be in a better place for that. Ah, cool. While, while you're on the Black Lives Matter, um, have you ever yeah. experienced anything in the EFL from fans? Yeah, yeah, of, yeah. About, yeah. Your, about your race, yeah. <laughs> Look, luckily not your team to be fair luckily not I thought oh Christ I hope not I'm very very surprised by Millwall <laughs> yeah no look, luckily not I, I got called some bad names at Millwall for wearing a hat I, I got called some bad names for, 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 for wearing a hat it, um, I, I won't repeat those words I was shocked I, was, I don't mind if I've got a decision wrong but I was fourth fisher and I was wearing a hat and they yeah, they bullied me for that. But yeah, no, in the EFL, um, it's not. Um, it's about five times. Wow. Not not that many, but yeah, about five times. Obviously, I've been on for five years. Average about forty games a mm. season. So I don't know to protect my own mental health. I sort of tell myself, oh, it's not that bad. It shouldn't happen anyway. But mm. to protect my own mental health, I just sort of say, well, it's going to happen probably once a season. It's not that bad. That's what I say to protect myself. Mm. Um, but but yeah, I have um, experienced it. A couple of occasions, I wanted to like kick off and be like, "Oh, you said that? Why you say that?" <laughs> um, I, I I've just got the thought process that if I carry on, mm. that fan's probably going to get removed. That fan will be banned. Yeah. If I walk off, I'm going to be a headline. TVs are going to be all over it. Oh, our system walks off because of racial abuse. I don't win out of that. I just look like I'm. I don't know. I I, I don't think I win. I think I win by just staying on, staying professional, doing my job, Definitely getting on with it. So yeah, that's definitely, mate. Um, I'm conscious of time. We've got a few more things that I'm going to go through, and then I'm, um, yeah. I think we were speaking before um, you came on as a group, and we were saying, do you prefer, obviously, the current situation at the moment? Do you prefer having fans in the ground getting abused, or do you prefer empty stadiums and doing it without? Like, what do you prefer? Get 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 yeah. fans back ASAP. Yeah, miss that. It's it's not the same. For, for like for us. I'm in a team and our team are, are literally doing so well and we we're doing so well in the pandemic before um, so when, when the little project restart we we're doing so well decisions were like unbelievable and then come back start of the season we're doing really really well the, the issue the issue is that and I think that's because obviously you know fans get to relax etc better you're more focused but it just the buzz of fans the buzz of when you walk out, we're walking out into stadiums and they're empty. Mm. When you should be walking out into stadiums, like I think we did, we well, not think we did Watford v Luton two weeks ago, which is a big local derby, not played mm. each other for like fourteen years, and we walked out and it's empty, and it's just ruined the whole derby day. And it was it was a bit frustrating, really. But yeah, we want fans back ASAP. Akil, another question. Um, obviously, yeah. you referee for the Alliance League, but my boys are in. Yeah. Uh, how, how different is it to adapt when you've got to come in ref of a, a league like that compared to I, I will always do it and um, I, I was at Liverpool last week or two weeks ago whenever they were mm. um, and still came and did uh, grassroots on the Sunday <laughs> it, 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 it keeps me it keeps me sane and it keeps me appreciating what I do mm. um, so it's only for myself it's not really for the teams or the players it's only for myself I I I can't if I if I wouldn't have been able to do that Liverpool game if I hadn't have gone through grassroots anyway. Mm. So I had to go through the grassroots graft. And if I go through my life just doing the big teams and getting the big appointments or whatever, and 
doing these top games. Mm. I won't appreciate where I came from and I won't appreciate how lucky I am to be able to be at the level that I'm at. Mm. Um, I also get to just practice stuff. So if something did happen on a Saturday, mm. I get to just practice, okay, well, that happened. Players will play and then I'll just practice movements or I'll, I'll look at what players are doing, etc. And it just keeps me grounded. It keeps, I just use it as a training game, yeah. use it as a recovery sometimes. And, and yeah, it's, yeah, it's a, I mean, in the next two months, it'll be a, it'll be hard because when it gets cold, I don't like it when it's cold. It's heat, <laughs> when it's hot. But at, at the moment, I just find it humbles me. It keeps me down. And it, and I love it. I enjoy it. I just run around with a smile on my face. Um, mm. And I'm sure the players will appreciate me there, at least. So, obviously, you know, um, on Sunday leagues, obviously, you get the the lines up, linesmen and sometimes you don't know whether they're playing the game or not. Do you know what I mean? So surely <laughs> yeah. you'll have a better perspective of it. So do you still overrule that, Akin, or do you go with it? Um, I, I find it hard. So it's easier to, it's easier for everyone's sake if it's credible. Mm. Whether it's right or wrong, I know sometimes, I just know when they're yeah. right or wrong. But sometimes for everyone's sake, it's easier to just go with the flag. Um, mm. Knowing full well that the players probably won from distance. There's obviously no cameras. <laughs> You've got a player that's now probably still looks like he's three, four yards offside, even though I can tell that he's ran from deep or whatever. Yeah. But like I said, it's just easier for everyone's sake to just go with him sometimes. It, I will only ever overrule when they're wrong in law, and that's getting technical when it when I know that it's clearly played by a defender or mm. it took a deflection off a defender who's clearly tried to play it, or if the player's not impacted, I'll then overrule. So if they're flagging a player that's in front of them because they're in an offside position. Mm. And it's gone to someone else who's clearly not out overall. But sometimes it's easier to just go with just for everyone's sake because you want you, you, I'm there to keep everyone on my side, really. I'm there yeah. to go through that as less stress as possible. So, yeah, sometimes it's easier to just go with. How did you end up being a linesman? I mean, obviously, uh, you lot, a lot want to be the man in the middle as well. Do you get that option yeah. as well, Akil, or is it you're a set yeah, linesman yeah. and that's it? I got that option five, yeah, five, yeah, it was bang on five years ago, um, and I and I took it up to be an assistant. Um, so they asked, "Do you want to be a referee? Do you want to be an assistant?" I was already on the football league, um, and I, it was might have been a little bit of a cop out, really, looking at my age. I should, should have really just said, "No, I'll stick at it and I'll um, progress as a referee." But I, I sort of just thought that I'll be closer. I'll be one step mm-hmm. closer to the Premier League here if I go back and be a referee. What's to say that I'm actually ever going to make it? Um, if I stay as an assistant, I'm I'm at the championship. I'm one step away from where yeah. I actually want to be. I might as well just stick here. And, so, and that's so uh, what's season. the um, target to get to the prem now then for you, Akil? Just knit my quick knit my question. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that that is it. Literally, get get to the Premier League. Um, like this was only ever a hobby. If if that it was only ever a hobby. I I never had dreams. Or ambition. I didn't. Ever think I'd be where I am at the moment? Um, so to even be a step away, to be able to have said that I've done so many Premier League teams is already a dream come true. And yeah, the the, I, the aim is to get to the Premier League. If I got to the Premier League, then obviously the goals change, and it'll be mm. okay. Get to the next World Cup. Got four years to put myself in the next World Cup, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But yeah, at the moment it was just get to the Premier League. And, and how do you get there? What what, what what do you have to do to meet that target to get to the Prem? So I don't know if you guys know, but we're all in league tables, just like the uh, teams and just like the teams. So um, or, or every referee, so every game, they, every every game we do, every decision from a throw in, 
from the kickoff time, from mm. corners, obviously goal kicks, obviously offside, free kicks, pushes, challenge, everything's um, assessed, so everything's evaluated. So the game's obviously recorded and every decision's looked at. So if you get 100% where you've got every decision right, you'll obviously mm. move up in your league table. If you've gone through a game where you've got decisions wrong, obviously you'll move down. And obviously the top person every year obviously gets a chance. Where to are you in that league? Are you allowed to tell us? Yeah, I've got to put myself yeah. up. I don't look. We're, we're only four games in, so there's 42 games left. So, yeah, at the moment. Uh, I do, I do I, keep I an eye on you, Ak. There were some dubious ones in there, mate. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. I'll, I'll ignore what Greeny says. He just, he's, in, he's in it for the refs from minute one. So, just ignore it. <laughs> if you can um, just dump the flag up when Mill will play, Ak, it will be yeah. Yeah, as long as you don't do it to Derby, I'm not bothered. Just, just, just quickly, if I can ask, do you think football yeah. clubs show enough respect to the officials? And and if not, do you think there should be some form of, I don't know, meeting between the the referees association and the, the teams to sort of discuss that? Because the way I look at it is, you you see it on a rugby field. Once the referee starts talking, yeah. everyone shuts up. And they pay attention to what he has to say. Whereas uh, I know it's a sort of different environment for footballers. Do you feel that would be beneficial for you getting on with the game going forward? Yeah, they they do try. And and that's the strangest thing. They, they do try. So if, if you have three more, especially at top levels, if you have three or more players surround a, surround a referee, um, the team obviously find and and yeah. actions taken against that team. So it, it's quite rare nowadays to see more than three players around a referee. Um, and whenever you do, you'll always see a captain yeah. try and move the players away so the team don't get a fine. Um, at the top, though, we're quite privileged and blessed because most players are playing for their own contracts and yeah. their own careers. They literally just care about themselves unless a howl has taken place. And if a howl has taken place, I think... I think everyone just sort of not accepts it, but I think we just obviously have to appreciate that yeah. players will be frustrated. Um, but yeah, at our levels, we're sort of fine. I mean, I can use <laughs> Derby for example. I used to watch um, Wayne Rooney on the TV, and I used to be like, "Wow, he looks like a he looks like he's a nightmare." <laughs> and then going to Derby and officiating him, he genuinely is just passionate yeah. about. It. He just wants to win. He he doesn't. He's not even on the referee's case. He just wants to win. He's on yeah. his own players' cases, and he's he's just so passionate about winning that it just looks like he's angry and frustrated. And all, all he be, I mean, I him. It looks awful on TV, but all he's doing is asking me what we're throwing it. But it looks yeah. awful because he's that passionate and that roped up in the game, and it, and it is amazing. So I think it's just perceived differently. But from from the elite, from from actually being out there seeing players they genuinely don't really care about it not don't care they all they want is the next decision and it's go their way so then they can get on with their jobs and like obviously it. just play um, and, and get on with the game so I think we're quite blessed at grassroots level I think it could change I think yeah. it needs to change sometimes <laughs> definitely doesn't oh, um, but, well I was going to say I've played football with Green yeah. and I've seen him abuse referees so I definitely I was going to say well I'm, I'm, <laughs> I know obviously I'm saying I'm sitting here on this podcast going, yeah, it needs to change. I'm probably one of the worst <laughs> referees Saturday. Yeah, I'm I'm terrible yeah. at getting on at a referee. Literally every decision, literally in his ear, like, well, a ref, 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 this, ref, that. Yeah, I'm a, I'm an absolute nightmare. Yeah, and 
and you, and it's not even to be horrible, but then if you put yourself in the referee's um, the referee sort of position, you've got to think that wow, that referee's getting that for ninety minutes. Everyone moaning that referee for ninety minutes it probably doesn't sound great, but and and like I said, probably doesn't mean that well. But in a, in a part where there's probably not a lot of fans, everything can be heard, and every player is doing the same thing. It sounds and it probably comes across as yeah. quite evil. But I, I think it's quite... I, I wouldn't know what the answer is to stop it because I think it would be quite hard to say no one can talk to a referee because then I think, I don't know, I think the game would be quite boring. Um, but yeah, they, they have got things like the Respect Programme. They've brought in Simbin this season, which if someone does step, overstep the line, obviously they can just get Simbin for 10 minutes. And I think once you've been Simbin for 10 minutes, I don't think you want to come back on and do the same thing again. So they have brought things in for grassroots football, which hopefully does make a change. Um, so hopefully that improves it a tiny bit and, and it keeps it to frustration hopefully that keeps it to more being frustration and passion rather than actual dissent and I, I want to say it's a form of bullying it's not bullying but a form of bullying and actually yeah. picking on the referee for Quick one I killed before Jack just finishes it off um, obviously you you, you lined uh, mm-hmm. Liverpool the other week um, how, how different yeah. is it to line a team like them what a quick pace team rather than the championship side was it a lot harder for you as a linesman uh yeah like well only their defense their defense is mm. ridiculous because they do um they push out um so they they spin to the halfway line and they want to try and play everyone offside so yeah it's hard to switch on um we're quite well i'm quite fortunate in the championship where there's so many mm. ex-premier league players so and ex-Premier League teams, ex-Premier League managers. So some are trying to implement what Premier League teams do. Um, so I was almost used to it. But then actually when you've got players yeah. like Van Dijk actually doing it, you're like, oh, wow, this is actually decent. I need to switch on here. Um, did so, yeah, did you have to pinch yourself when you uh, stood next to Van Dijk? Uh, yeah, but then I had to talk to him. As if he should know me. So I was like, oh... Um, Virgil, <laughs> we're going out now. Yeah, come out walk with me. So I, I had to pretend. Hey, you got his, you got his mobile number yeah, now. Yeah, Take him Nando's next week. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then Jurgen gave me a fist pump on the TV. So I have to tell everyone about it. But um, yeah, no, well, it, yeah, it's 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 uh, yeah, yeah. It, it was good. That's been it it's nice to see someone from Leicester doing a good job, though. I can, it's decent, mate. Yeah, big. I was oh, going to say again, exactly for the roots. Big up Leicester. Um, yeah, exactly. Actually, it's been a pleasure, mate. It, it, it really has, mate. Yeah, appreciate um, it. Appreciate thank it. you for coming on, and obviously, thank you for being so open and keep doing what you're doing, mate. You're doing a good job, even though you, you know I'll probably uh, be arguing <laughs> arguing against you a lot offside decisions <laughs> in Derby this season. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hopefully when I get Darby, then you, <laughs> you want to watch out for Jacko and his Millwall boys. <laughs> but no, yeah. But we'll have to we'll have to get you back on, Akil, if you wouldn't mind coming on like later in the season, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Just give me a shout. Cheers, yeah, good man. Cheers, Thank you very much, mate. Appreciate it. You too, no worries, mate. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.